0: 2525 25. now here are phil chris and pat with tonight's
1: edition of sports talk and good evening everybody welcome into sports talk sports talk media network here on the last day of january can you believe it we've already checked off a month about six more to go before we get to football practice <laughs> can you wait can you hardly wait for it to get here Uh, so end of January, uh, tomorrow, national signing day, number two, the February signing date. And we do have drama. We love drama when it comes to recruiting, right? It's good. It's good to have a high profile recruit that one of your schools is after and nobody has a clue about what he's going to do. So it makes for drama, which will make for fun. I think, tomorrow. Now, will it make for happiness for South Carolina? Who knows? It could be happiness for Maryland or Oregon or Michigan or Miami. South Carolina with Nick Harbor. They've done everything they could possibly do. They've made the phone calls. They've made the visits. He's made the visits. I would probably guess that he's visited. South Carolina, and has had visits from the South Carolina staff as much as from them as anybody. Maryland, of course, being right down the road from him, probably he's visited there just off the cuff more than anywhere else since it's so close. But South Carolina has recruited him hard the last two years. He's made the visits. Shane Beamer and Sterling Lucas, uh, they have uh, carried the bulk of the recruiting work with him. And uh, we'll just see what happens tomorrow, about 1 o'clock. And ESPN, I think, is going to be carrying his announcement, part of a ceremony at the school. There'll be other players making announcements. Harbor will be the last one. And so we'll see what happens. I did talk to his dad this afternoon, and I'll share that with you a little bit later on when we do the recruiting report. Nothing earth-shattering. I'm not here to tease you, to say I know something when I don't. I don't know where he's going. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow afternoon. At about 1 o'clock. I do know that Shane Beamer will meet with the media tomorrow to wrap up recruiting. And his press conference is at 2 o'clock. So, obviously, he's waiting to see what happens with Nick Harbor before he meets with the media. Assuming everything goes on as scheduled. You know, we've seen where these high-profile players, they have uh, scheduled an announcement at a certain time. And things come up or well, they just can't do it, they have a second thought, everything gets pushed back. We've seen uh, where that has led to uh, coaches pushing back their uh, their press conferences um, to, uh, to delay until this last one comes in. I think that happened with the quarterback at Florida back when he was committing and going to sign back in December, the one who eventually left Florida over the dispute over the NIL contract and the NIL money and you had uh, Billy Napier having to delay uh, repeatedly, I believe, his press conference from back then. So um, we shall see what happens with uh, Nick Harbour tomorrow. Um, the thing to remember, too, here, a couple things. Number one, uh, he is a tremendous athlete, tremendous track athlete. And I wonder how the school that gets him is going to handle that because I got to believe. I mean, track is – I'm not going to say track is more important to him than football. Maybe it's the other way around. But he has set some guidelines when it comes to his football career so that it does not hurt his track career. I mean, he has big goals of being an Olympian. And one thing he's already said, he wants to be a tight end. He might be, I don't know if he's better at tight end or, or defensive end, uh, but he's made it clear he wants to be tight end because he believes the training for tight end is closer to what he has to do to be training for track as a sprinter, as a world-class sprinter. Here's the other thing, too. If you're the football coach or the football team, you have to really consider this. Not that it matters because you'd like to have him, And that is, how much will you have him in the spring? Because he's going to be running track. And I got to believe that as soon as the football season's over, let's say he comes to South Carolina, joins the Gamecocks 2023, uh, plays with the football team, and the Gamecocks play until late December, January. I got to believe as soon as that's over, he's over to Curtis Fry and might even jump in on the track team to uh, if he can get in proper track shape might even jump on the track team to run some indoor events in January, February until they get to the outdoor schedule. And then, you know, you got to kind of balance that thing between spring practice and track. But I, you know, track athletes, from what I've read and what I've seen and what I've heard, track athletes are kind of funny athletes, right? They're very peculiar about their bodies and about their training And how they work on certain muscle groups and to get everything just right. I mean, if you're a sprinter, you need certain muscle groups the strongest, right? And working in conjunction with one another to help you be the fastest guy in the world. And to break away from that to go do football, I don't see that happening. No matter where he is, no matter which school he's at, I don't see him leaving his track concentration to go practice spring football could be wrong I'm just throwing that out there as something that whoever gets them I'm sure that's come up in their conversations I got to believe it has you know what's going to happen in the spring when I want to run track now if you are the head football coach and you say you know what when football's over you're all track and you come back to us in um whenever track season's over in the case of the NCAA championships if he's that good NCAA championships are the the last thing. uh, No, I guess the College World Series is the last thing. One of the last things competed every year in June. Uh, And, of course, typically, well, they're held different places. A lot of times at Oregon. I think sometimes they're held at Arkansas. Sometimes I think at LSU. Um, But I think last year they were at the University of Oregon. So he's going to miss, I would imagine that being the case, just speaking out loud, I would think he would am- he would miss spring practice, which makes you wonder, you know, how's he going to develop as a football player missing all that time? Maybe he doesn't need it, you know. Maybe he's one of those naturals. Maybe he won't need it. Did your Davion Clowney need spring practice, you know? Did um, did uh, – I'm just trying to think off the top of my head – well does does any great player really need spring practice individually maybe just to work with the team you know being a receiver working with the quarterback you want every practice that you can get timing wise and that sort of thing but anyway i'm just these are things i'm thinking about out loud when it comes to this so uh we'll find out tomorrow I, you know i think it's great pat to have a high profile guy like this at one of the schools has been recruiting and he's taken it right to the uh The very end before he lets everybody know
2: what he's going to do you're exactly right and i know there's no there's no moral victories in sports but i gotta tell you regardless of this young man's decision tomorrow just looking at the colleges that he's choosing between south carolina's competing with under armor maryland oregon nike uh, michigan alabama plenty of other powerhouse blue uh, just historical football programs and then also of course good track programs the fact that they're in, in the today's age of nil the fact that they're able to compete head-to-head with these guys already speaks volumes about where coach beamer has this program at least in my eyes and and i think it would be great to see him here be another big name to come into the into the fold with the gamecocks and now phil a question for you Mm -hmm. as you were talking there about how schools tend to or programs balance players who want to do track and field and football three names immediately jumped out to me two tigers and one a little further away Mm -hmm. jacoby ford was a two-time All-American track star at Clemson. C.J. Spiller was a three-time All-American in track at Clemson. Robert Griffin III was an All-American as a true freshman at Baylor, but then he never ran track again after that. People were talking about him potentially qualifying for the Olympics when he was only a freshman in college at Baylor. I don't recall, and I'm wondering if you know, how did those programs deal with that? Like Specifically, Clemson in-state, how did they deal with a Jacoby Ford, a C.J. Spiller? That's a good question. I'd have to go back and look now i will say
1: i can't speak for them did either one of those have olympic aspirations i mean they were good they were all americans um but did they aspire to go to the olympics like this young man this this is the main thing for him is being a world champion in the sprints
2: that's a great question and a worthwhile distinction that we should make i do not know the answer to that the only of those three that i know for sure had olympic aspirations was robert griffin iii he still sometimes jokes about it on broadcasts and brags about his speed even after all his injuries i'm not sure regarding jacoby ford or cj spiller
1: okay well we look forward to that tomorrow and uh shane beamer will talk to the media tomorrow also tomorrow uh, Dabo sweeney will talk to the media he has nothing new to report from a recruiting standpoint on their 23 class everything is everything's in as far as they're concerned they've taken care of business and got their guys uh, committed and or signed and so but he will be unveiling his maybe his most significant recruit of the all season Garrett Riley will talk to the media for the first time what are you expecting to hear what would you if you're a Clemson fan what would you like to hear from Garrett Riley Pat what do you expect Garrett Riley to share tomorrow? Do you think he'll go deep into his uh, offensive X's and O's? Obviously, he'll talk about how excited he is to be at Clemson, how much he admires Dabo Sweeney, you know, what a tradition they have. Um, Do you want to hear, if you're a Clemson fan, do you want to hear more about, okay, here's what we're going to do to, uh, you know, jack this thing up a little bit?
2: Great question, and I'm trying to think of the best way to answer I would think first and foremost, he's going to clarify for a lot of people out there that this is not just an air raid offense, that he does run the ball quite a bit, as TCU showed this season. Uh, He also showed that previously at SMU and at East Carolina before that. But they're also going to throw the ball all all across the field. But I do expect him to go into a little bit more detail about how his offense is a a bit more balanced than maybe a lot of us talk about or think about them. Uh, I also expect him to go into detail or at least be asked about how he will develop Cade Klubnik, and just maybe what is his touch? What is it that between he and his brother, they both seem to have this magical touch with quarterbacks turning guys into Heisman candidates and will, because you got to think Clemson fans have that immediate expectation. I mean, every Clemson fan that I know that I've spoken to about it, that's one of the first things they say is, oh my God, is Clemson going to finally get a Heisman trophy? What is he going to do with Cade Klubnik?" And I think that is a, is a big question and something that I think he will go into detail is just how He and Kate Klubnick are already starting to form a bond and a relationship and where they expect to take that next season.
1: Okay, uh, we have got basketball tonight, too. We've got South Carolina and Clemson, both of them in action tonight. The Gamecocks are at home against Mississippi State. Both teams are 1-7 and in the SEC. You know, the bottom four teams – I was looking at this because I'm trying to make plans – bottom four teams in the league, they get to play in the play-in games on Wednesday – in Nashville, this could be a preview because these are two of the four bottom feeders in the SEC right now. Though Mississippi State's 13 and 8, the Gamecocks are 8 and 13, and again, both are 1 and 7 in the SEC. They're going to tip off about 6:30 over at the Colonial Life Arena. We have our man Chris Deering on the scene, so he'll be reporting for us on the Gamecocks and the Bulldogs. This should be a uh, a fairly competitive game I would say both teams are averaging right around 64 65 points per game one of the big differences is the Gamecocks are giving up 73 points a game Mississippi State's only giving up 59 points per game so they can clamp down on you on defense neither team shoots it well um, the Gamecocks this is not good opponents are shooting 47 percent against against the Gamecock, so uh, they're not shooting it well they're not stopping the other team from shooting it well Uh, Neither team shoots the three well. Mississippi State's 28% from behind the line. Uh, (laughs) You want to see some clanging free throws? The Gamecocks are shooting 65%. Mississippi State is shooting 62% from the line. Uh, Look for a lot of bricks being laid tonight over the Colonial Life Arena. But that should make for a competitive game. You know, it might be 50-something, 60-something, uh, to each uh, each way, you know, something in the 60s, each way, and you'll have a, an exciting finish and see if the Gamecocks can pull off a W. Meantime, Clemson is up at Boston College, the Tigers 18-4. and That's right, I said it, 18-4, and 10-1 in the ACC. I mean, every ACC win takes them where they've never been before at this stage of an ACC season on the road but this is of course very winnable if you can win at florida state then you can certainly win at boston college bc is 10 and 12 and four and seven tigers are expected to once again be without brevin galloway he of the um uh well how do we describe that um he of the don't uh let's be good here uh he of the uh sensitive area issue the
2: very very unfortunate issue that gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about.
1: Yeah, that yeah. issue right there and uh I would imagine that he'll be back uh, soon, but the, they uh, they they somehow managed to overcome his absence and win a close one at Florida State after blowing a, a big early lead and as you might imagine Boston College is uh is struggling. Like I mentioned, they are uh, 10 and 12, 4 and 7. And uh, they've lost uh, four games at home, so it's, it's not like you can't beat them at home. And they've lost um, five of their last seven, including uh, they were beaten at Virginia, 76-57. Uh, they did get wins over Notre Dame and Louisville back-to-back, but they're two of the worst teams in the league. Before that, four straight losses, Duke, Miami, Wake Forest, and North Carolina, uh, good teams for the most part. So this one should be one that Clemson, can handle if they continue to play uh, their style of basketball so we got all that going on and your phone calls coming up after the break 888-898-2525 that is the South Carolina education lottery lucky number to get into us here on sports talk since 2002 more than 4.2 billion dollars in lottery proceeds have been used to fund scholarships and grants for South Carolina students to learn more about the lottery's impact Go to com slash wins. Remember, playing for fun is a win for education. We'll get to your phone calls after the break.
3: Hope, life, and the Great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope. The life and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. Seven billion dollars. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win.
1: On Sports Talk, 888-898-2525, we come to you from the Dave & Buster Studios here in downtown Columbia. Eat, drink, play, catch the big games all season long. Dave & Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. You know, Dave & Buster's, don't forget, great place to eat. Food is terrific. Great place to lounge. Great place to go have some fun. And you can get it all done. Dave & Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. Ha. Huh. I mean, you got to laugh. What in the world is going on down in Charleston? Uh, we have been notified by uh, Bill Burr, who is an anchor reporter for Fox 24 in Charleston. He sends this to us on Twitter on our timeline that uh, Scott Iceberg from Channel 4 reporting that Steve LaPrade is returning to Fort Dorchester as the football coach. What? Steve LePrad is returning to Fort Dorchester as the football coach. A note it says here is being sent to families from Trip Aldridge, the third, the principal. That's all we've got right now. Let me see with what Scotty's got on this story. Um, yeah, he just uh, a minute ago he sent out a copy of this letter going to the families. We can share with you that coach Steve LaPrade has agreed to remain in the role of head football coach together. We're looking forward to continuing the success that defines our Patriots football program. Uh, He will support DD two athletics at the district office. And uh, so he is returning as the football coach, Steve LaPrade going back to Fort Dorchester.
2: What a wild few weeks.
1: This has been crazy. This has been crazy Um, between that and the Berkeley situation. Also seeing this, this is from Mark Bowman. Covers uh, the Braves beat. Tom Hart remains a top finalist to replace Chip Carey in the Braves TV booth. He writes that looks like Ben Ingram will remain in his preferred role on the radio side. So Tom Hart, who's very good. In my opinion, listening to him, he's very good. Uh, maybe taking over as a primary TV play-by-play guy for the Braves with the Chip Carey going to the Cardinals. Okay, to your phone calls, 888 2525 Let's see what you've got for us tonight here on Sports Talk. Andy in Columbia up first. Welcome in. How are you? Hello there,
4: Mr. Corn. Neither one of them are anything like a Gary Cohn who's getting ready to be inducted
1: into the New York Met Hall of Fame this year. Your buddy. Absolutely, and well-deserving. What a great story, Gary Cohen. I'm not going to spend time now talking about it, but I'll just say what a great story his career has been and uh, well-deserved. He got a chance to live out his dream of being the voice of the Mets, and he took it to another level.
4: Yes, he did. Very, very uh, well-loved by the New York Mets fans. He's no
1: John Sterling, but, you know, he'll do in a pinch. Yeah, okay, whatever.
4: Um, Mr. Corn, reading your... I didn't hear everything you had at the opening on um, Nick Harbor, but reading what you have posted earlier today, mm-hmm. it almost sounds like Mr. Harbor's going to stay in Maryland because he doesn't want to be too far from Mama.
1: Well, from the afternoon update from talking to uh, his dad, that was a a strong... um not going to say uh, that he was implying that and i'm not saying i was inferring that but that was a strong point that uh, the mama is a big deal now look you know, south carolina compared to uh, oregon or any of the other schools outside of maryland is the next closest and washington to uh, columbia you got direct flights and it's not a bad drive down i-95 you can be here and i've made it in six hours six and a half to dc good traffic it's not Maryland, okay? You know, if it's going to boil down to location and i got to see my my son every day and all that, and he's got to come home on the weekends and all that, then they're not going to beat out Maryland for that. Maryland's the only one that can bring you that. But right. I don't know. When they say close by, I mean, maybe South Carolina's close enough to them.
4: Now, can we have, like, some big dollar donor like you um, have his private jet always go up there every weekend, pick mom and daddy up and bring them down here without a – violation now with all this NIL stuff that's going
1: on? Well, first of all, I'm neither private nor a donor, but uh, (laughs) I will say I didn't bring this up earlier, but you touched on something that, I mean, I'm sure they've got to be aware of this. The schools do. All of them involved. Because a lot of the stories that I've been reading here the last 24 hours now, you've got people reporting that and they're saying the schools, South Carolina, Oregon, are making NIL deals. I'm sure you've read that too. And my only Heads up on that is the NCAA is watching. They are watching. You may or may not know, but the NCAA sent out a memorandum to schools last week over the weekend. I saw this reported that they are enforcing their rules on NIL.
4: Starting when
1: starting to go have been starting now starting it's it, there they are they sent this memorandum out to remind the schools that they have rules in place about nil and they are and will enforce them hang on a second i'll pick up on this after the break we'll be back in a moment at sports talk sports talk media network no chris bergen tonight where is he off to that is an unbelievable schedule they have in the sun belt he's off to la monroe louisiana monroe and then to arkansas state and they left today he'll be back with us tomorrow some on thursday before their game uh, pat daniel's here i'm here and we're at the dave and buster studios in downtown columbia triple eight eight nine eight two five two five is our phone number Update a couple things. You know, I haven't mentioned, shame on me, shame on me, I have not mentioned our poll question of the week to this point. Clemson is 10-1 and in the ACC with nine games left, including home with Miami and at North Carolina and Virginia. How many ACC games do you project for the Tigers to win by the end of the regular season? The choices are 17-19. to 14 to 16 or 11 to 13. 68.1% say the Tigers will finish with 14 to 16 ACC wins. 18.8% say 17 to 19 and 13.2% say 11 to 13. You got a chance to vote on that on our Twitter at Sports Talk SC or on our website sportstalksc.com. A couple of other things I want to mention. And then we'll get back to your phone calls. And how about this? We're talking about NIL. Oh, got to touch on that. Alabama today announced a new agreement with our old friends at Learfield. Thank you, Learfield. Oh, you know what? I just missed this. It was three days ago in 2019. How many years ago would that be? Three days ago on the 28th of January of 2019 that Learfield Kicked us to the curb.
2: Guys, been four years already. Is that four From years almost to the day?
1: Yeah, kicked us to the curb. They could, could they could they could knock us down, but they couldn't knock us out. So we're still here. But anyway, uh, apparently Learfield is getting into the NIL business with their schools. So a highlight of the new agreement with Learfield is a first of its kind dedicated NIL hub called the Advantage Center which will serve as the epicenter of support for NIL endeavors for the more than 600 Crimson Tide student-athletes. Yeah, I'm totally lost. I'm totally lost on the extravagance that schools feel the need at which to promote NIL opportunities. See, my understanding when all this came down was simply you're at a school. They connect you with business people, and you make a deal, and they've got people in the department to make sure that the contract is all good and everything's like it's supposed to be, and you make your appearances, you do the commercials for them, you do the social media stuff for them, and you get paid. So I think once again in college athletics, we're seeing where the Joneses have to outdo the Smiths and vice versa, and one's got to outdo the other, just like back in the crazy days of building uh, athletic dorms when one had to have a better one than the other, had to show the athletes, oh, well, looky here, look what we've got in our dorm. Then it became what? The weight rooms and the, the training centers and et cetera, et cetera. Then it became the uh, academic centers. You know, the, Our academic center is better than yours. Now it's going to be our NIL uh, space is better than your NIL space. It's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, Alabama announced that today. And that takes me back, and Andy's back with us. So, Andy, I'll finish up with you and go to – oh, let me mention this too. Perry Wilbright leaving Lexington High School to become the new head coach at Clover High School. So going back to what the NCAA has said in its uh, memorandum to the schools, and Andy, you're back with us, and we'll continue with calls, 888-898-2525. So what they've said in that memorandum is there are rules in place, and we are going to enforce them. And part of what they said in the memorandum from the story that I read is you as a school, your coaches, your representatives, you cannot discuss, you cannot discuss with a prospective athlete money. You cannot discuss deals. You cannot say if you come here, you're going to get this. You also, according to this memorandum, you cannot discuss with your current players Any of them who might be thinking about going into the portal, John, or leaving for a professional league, you can't try to entice them to stay by saying, well, we'll give you this. You can get this to stay. That, too, is against the rules. So my point in going back to this is one way an NCAA investigation gets started is through media reports. The NCAA see what's being written on social media, in the newspapers – they get a lead from that, they follow up, and all of a sudden you're in the midst of an investigation. And so I'm just saying to all these schools, because it's been written about today from things that I've read from the recruiting people on the websites, well, South Carolina and Oregon, and they're trying to hammer out NIL deals for these guys, and that's totally against the rules. Now, okay. whether so the, not, whether it. or not it's going to be investigated, whether or not it's going to be enforced, whether or not they're going to be punished, I don't know. I'm just saying the NCAA says we have rules and we're going to enforce it. Now you say. Okay. So what about Dumbo Fisher from last year? All of them. I mean, I don't know if it goes back to last year, but I mean, you've got, if they're going to do it, if they're going to do it, then you've got classic cases that are out there. You've got Texas, you've got Miami, you've got BYU. All have had uh, public reporting of deals being promised to players for coming to their schools, so yeah, if the NCAA is actually serious about what they're talking about, Miami. then you should soo- you should yeah Miami you should see very soon investigations breaking out at all those schools.
4: Well, you know, I would think just last year from Fisher, they have enough for to investigate for two to three years. So, two more just quick comments. You know, there's always this thing about not having long playoffs for football because they can't be away for school. Well, you're talking about Chris and this basketball program. When did these kids ever go to school? Ever go to class? It's tough. I mean, yeah. you're, you're worried about football players. You're talking about one weekend. You're, these basketball players—they've been on the road for weeks.
1: It seems that classes. way.
4: It seems. I that mean, way. It, yeah, it seems like they're. Well, on look the plane at look at Chicago State.
1: Look at Chicago State. Mm-hmm. Chicago State was last Monday. They were at uh, Coastal. Then they flew out to Stanford, and then yesterday they were at the Citadel. I don't know where they're going now. They're all over the and, place. So I guess they go back to Chicago in between all these trips.
4: Don't forget about the baseball team from up north that come down south for, like, what, a month at a time to um, travel because they can't play?
1: Yeah, now some so of that's during the their weather. spring break. Yeah, some of that's during their spring break. They some try to work it in around their spring
4: break. It's not. Now, yeah. my last question. Hmm? What time is Quick Nick going to make the announcement tomorrow?
1: Scheduled for around one o'clock. Okay,
4: that's why I wasn't sure if that had gotten changed or not. Yeah, one that's o'clock. What I wanted to ask. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Corn. All Unfortunately, right. Unfortunately, tomorrow's not the day we all look forward to, but at least just a little bit of something to look forward
1: to with excitement. Yeah. And,
4: all it you. Be
1: great the way you used to run the old National Signing Day. And, all you Gamecockers, sure. sleep well tonight. Sleep well tonight.
4: Hey, okay. we got to do a lot of praying.
1: See what Santa Shane's got waiting for you tomorrow. Uh, and, and thanks very much. I don't know if they're going to notify the winning coach in advance. Uh, from talking to the dad, he wasn't sure. I got to believe if they notify – if if it's South Carolina and they notify Beamer, I got to believe he will not put out one of his commitment alerts on that. Because then everybody will know, and, you know, that would – I guess if you care, kind of take away from the moment for the kid, you know. I would think if they notify the coach, it would be under the strictest of, of understandings that please do not put anything out about this, no mention of any kind, I would think.
2: Yeah, I would think you're probably right. And just to go back to what you all were saying, I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but we have a great resource. I, I plan on asking Chris this when he's back on with us this week. Post-COVID, remember how so many people at, from elementary school up through college were doing Zoom? for school with athletes today being Mm -hmm. on the road like that i'm I'm curious how much these basketball players football players whatever are, are relying on zoom for their academics since they are away that at least makes it a little easier than say five years ago 20 years ago whatever excellent point
1: excellent point all right we continue with your phone calls by the way yes
2: sorry just i wanted to go back to something real quick sorry hank hang with us uh when you were talking about nil and about Alabama. I think you'll like this. I don't believe we have mentioned this, but did you see what Nick Saban happened to say the other night at the Alabama Football Coaches Association regarding two players? Uh, Didn't
1: he say something about he quit recruiting a couple of guys because they brought up the
2: NIL stuff? So he was asked about basically paying players now and and what part he – or how he likes it, what he thinks about it. And he kind of laughed and said that he had no problems letting a top recruit and one of his own current players go recently after they asked for over a million dollars combined from the school – uh, he said this in Montgomery, Alabama. It's actually back on Thursday night uh, when he was asked about this. First, he said, "Quote: Someone with one of the best corners in the nation in high school came to me and asked if we'd pay them $800,000 for the player to sign here. I told him he can find another place to play. I'm not paying a kid a bunch of NIL money before he earns it." He then added, uh, "Let's see that he had lost at least 10 players, including a starter, to the portal already, and a number of those decisions were because of NIL." He said, quote, one of them wanted $500,000 and for us to get his girlfriend into law school at Alabama and to pay for it, I immediately showed him the door.
4: Mm.
2: I just thought you might like that because we've all been kind of wondering at what point do coaches just start to say no, go exactly. elsewhere.
1: Well, he can do that. Sure. Right. Absolutely. How many coaches can do that? He can do that. Name me. Can you count on one hand the number of coaches who can do that, who have the, the backbone to do that, who... Um, can go get somebody else probably just as good as who they showed the door to, you know, but there aren't many who can do that or will do that. I would imagine. Okay. Now, and Hank, you blame, uh, you blame, uh, Pat there for taking up all your time. Gamecocks are up 13 to 11, uh, with 1138 to play in the first half shooting 42% and being led by Jacoby Wright, who all of a sudden starting to find the range. He's got five and, Michi's got four and uh, GG Jackson, 0 for 2. So far, he has not scored. Uh, Hank, what you got tonight?
5: Oh, Lord. Uh, Nick, i tell you, uh, Corn, um, I think you'll get more coaches to do it than you think would happen. Because I think w- what's going to happen is you got to think about these, these plays that some of these players are making these demands. If you're going to a new school, how many schools? Going to, how many new schools are going to try to get your, your your girlfriend into their law school and all that until they see you produce? <laughs> and obviously, NFL, nil was supposed to be something that you could work with players after they got to the campus. Correct. So I think it's gotten. I think it's gotten so toxic with these wild stories that a number of these coaches start saying, "Well, I'd rather see what I'm gonna have and know what I'm gonna have rather than deal with um, some of these phenomenal – It's kind of like. In basketball, some of these teams that grabbed everything out of the portal and put them together uh, realized that a lot of these uh, attitudes for some of these big time players just didn't work well together. <laughs> and so, and so eventually, you <laughs> you realize it's not going to be a, a big deal. But corn, hmm. I wanted, to, I I really wanted to call comment about the track. Um, a ton of there's been a ton of I don't think track will. Will have an impact on uh, somebody like Harbor in the in the spring because been, I mean I remember watching Sammy Winder and and the number of there's like three or four Florida State's running backs running track for Florida State back when I was in college um, that would come in and run and they ran mostly all season because in the in the spring you know you only had to practice two times a day they they their workouts were early in the morning at Florida State whereas the track was working out more than the the regular portion of the
1: day. Well, the only thing I would say about that, season. the only thing I would say about that, and I don't. I know who you're talking about, um, I don't think those guys had aspirations for the Olympic team. And like this kid does, I mean, this kid, uh, you know, track, well, to, you him, got, you got, track to him is, is, I think, now I've never spoken to so him. I, I I've it's, never it's, spoken I to equal. him, but I from, what I, football. from what I've read, track to him is just as important as football, if not more. And I think, oh, yeah. uh, you know, so I mean I think he's going to want to do everything uh, possible to get his track body in in shape uh, to run track and compete at the highest level and uh, and who knows in the summer again I'm just throwing things out there I don't know any of this yeah, to be fact he might go he might want to travel in the summer with the national under whatever team to Rome or Paris, wherever these international track meets are taking place. I mean, he might miss a lot of football, but he might well, be able I, to overcome I, that I, yeah, anyway. He might I don't be, be think able to
5: overcome yeah, that. I, I don't think it's going to be as, as uh, weird a stretch. I, I, I'll I tell you about one that was just right here at South Carolina. Um, until he had a couple of injuries and his, his time slipped off, Demir Bird was running basically full-time with track mm-hmm. when he was here. I um, mean, he—you know—of course, he's in the football league now, NFL. But the whole time, the time he was here, he was running pretty much full go because there were not many conflicts um, in the spring. And yeah, and I remember Iris Curry up at Clemson was the same way. <laughs> and I think they—I think they might have when Iris Curry was running. I think it was one of the times when Clemson won the actual NCAA four by one championship.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yep, I just think you're talking about, and I get that, you're talking about football players who happen to run track and be really good at it. Here, you're talking about a guy who I think is as much into track as he is anything else, and track's going to be extremely important to him, and how they handle that's going to be extremely important to him, too, I think, you know. But we'll see how it plays out if he comes wherever he lands, South Carolina, Oregon, maybe staying home at Maryland, who knows, wherever Wherever he lands, we'll see how that works out. I'm just saying well, if he comes to South Carolina, that could be something that just is gonna to have to be um
5: you, just, you work with it if you look if you think about it go back to go back to one of the the a cup you know we know Sheldon Brown played a lot with Ray Tanner's team um when he was here, but go back to the biggest infamous two sport thing you would think um with spring practice and spring drills and all uh what was it the um it was Ronald Curry and Julius Peppers. They would play a full football season and then play a full foot basketball season with Dean Smith and and, and at that time their teams were heading to final fours and stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know again certain people can pull it off. But I've also seen guys who tried to do the double especially football baseball. And they can't make it in baseball, you know, because yeah. baseball well, requires so much attention to specific yeah. skills yeah. and you just don't have time yeah. to squeeze it in.
5: Yeah, you got to think about That's why I think track is, is a lot more doable because a lot of what they're doing, um, a lot of times in the spring, other than the weightlifting, you're doing a, a whole lot of it is getting your body straight, bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. And so if you're running track, you know, it's like when you got to these high schools, you know, most of these football coaches would want 80% of their football team running track, other than those big linemen who are out there throwing. But well, you know who else?
1: You know, <laughs> and we got to go, but at, uh, at Eau Claire, when George Glimp was there, all his basketball players had to run cross-country. You know. Now, is that track? I mean, it's like track, but he made all his players, to be on the basketball team, part of what you had to do was go run cross-country because he saw a correlation between that and being in basketball shape. That's how great a coach he was, and you had to do that. So we got to run. Hank, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Go to the break. As we go to the break, we'll tell you, South Carolina, Mississippi State, it's a good one. It's, re- it's it's representative of two teams with a combined two SEC wins at this point. It's 16-15. The Gamecocks are shooting 40%. They're 6-15. of 15. The Bulldogs are shooting 37%. They're 7 of 19, but they're 0 for 6 from 3. We told you they were horrible from 3, and they have not let us down. But neither team has missed a free throw yet. Back in a moment.
4: Who I am, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly. George Bryant for Bars.
0: George Bryan for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy,
6: has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic
0: ability. And why is this Tsunami, Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed
1: hey this is phil kornblu the tsunami bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game it's convenient it's easy to use and you won't feel beat up afterwards be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get five percent off any order using promo code bbb5 don't wait order today the uh, CLA Mississippi State up 17-16 and like I said neither team is shooting it particularly well Gamecocks are one for five from three the Bulldogs are 0 oh for six Gamecocks are three for three from the line the Bulldogs are one for one Gamecocks have turned it over five times in about 12 minutes and four of those turnovers come from G G Jackson who's got three points on one field goal one free throw fortunately Mississippi State only six points off those turnovers so far. Gamecocks getting beat on the boards, eleven to eight, and beat in the paint, fourteen to eight. Beat on fast break points, four to nothing, to this point. So, uh, you know they're only down a point. The numbers aren't particularly uh, looking in their favor right now, but a lot of basketball left. Chris Deering is there for us. He'll give us a halftime report. Of course, we'll have postgame coverage for you of that game. Post-game coverage of Clemson. And Boston College as well coming up. Also tonight, you've got Wake Forest playing at Puke. And that'll be a 7 o'clock kickoff. Has Wake won since they beat Clemson? I don't think they have. Because I talked about how good they looked, how good they were. Uh, I don't think they've won since they played and beat Clemson. You got Virginia Tech at Miami tonight. You could use a, a, a Virginia Tech win. Clemson could. A Virginia Tech win. There over Miami. That would help Clemson. Tigers at Boston College going to tip off shortly. You got Texas A&M at Arkansas tonight. We've also got uh, Vanderbilt. Let's see. Is that tonight? Um, Vanderbilt at Alabama, I think is tonight. And Kentucky at Ole Miss, I think is tonight. Yeah, those are the other two games tonight. Vanderbilt. At Alabama and Kentucky at Ole Miss. Okay, so that's what we're looking at, and of course nationally, big game Kansas State in Kansas. That should be a heck of a game uh, later on tonight out in the uh, the Big 12. So that's where we stand on things at this point in time. Uh, some other notes to pass along, and we'll get to recruiting after the top of the hour break. Couple of things that we didn't get to last night. A very sad story out of Clinton, where a Red Devil football player died in a car accident over the weekend. Taylor Tisdale died in the crash, according to the Lawrence County deputy coroner. This reported by the Greenwood index journal and the crash happened, uh, outside of Lawrence and his pickup truck went off the side of the road. He overcorrected crossed the center line and hit another car. So, unfortunately, he was killed uh, in that accident. So, sad, sad. Anytime you hear that, it just, it just hits you in the gut. Uh, D1 Baseball, USC junior pitcher Will Sanders, preseason All-American team, D1 Baseball. And also, in uh, baseball preseason uh, teams, got another one here that had uh, Sanders. Yeah, uh, Will Sanders named the second team of the Baseball America All-American team so uh, he is getting a lot of uh, preseason notoriety and also College of Charleston closer Will Privet was named to the second team of the uh, D1 All-American team he is terrific saw him play when they played Clemson in Columbia he came in and slammed the door on the Tigers and my goodness can he bring it so that is certainly a bonus for Chad Holbrook to have Will uh, Privet back for another year to close things out to commemorate The 100-year anniversary of the first college football game played at the original Yankee Stadium. The ACC is going to have Pitt play at Syracuse in the current Yankee Stadium in the Bronx on November 11th. Another note of interest there. Okay, we'll hit the break. We've got recruiting and more coming up. Don't go away.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Okay, we're back. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. On a Tuesday night, Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel from the Dave & Buster Studios right here in Columbia. We invite you to join us on the phone lines, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you. And you can get through without delay at this particular time. Going to get to recruiting coming up for you in just a little bit. Have a message here on our stream from Charger Ron. Always good to hear from Charger Ron. And he goes, hey, NCAA, good luck putting that genie back in the bottle. Agreed. I kind of like putting the toothpaste back in the tube because if you ever watched "I Dream of Genie," the genie actually went back in the bottle, right? If you watched "I Dream of Genie," you ever see "I Dream of Genie"?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah Didn't she right. go back in the bottle? And in Aladdin, in those movies, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, same thing. You're right. But you ever the try thing to thing put toothpaste back in, back in the tube? Good luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
1: I mean, I get your point. Obviously we agree with you there. Good luck. How are you going to enforce it? How are you going to investigate it? And you know I think the first time they try to do something to somebody, the first time they try to touch anybody over Nil, there'll be a lawsuit filed against them so fast it'll make their head spin. you know it just will because I mean right now you got the you got the Supreme Court on your side saying you cannot get in the way of these guys making money off their uh, NIL. Now, you are a part of an organization, the NCAA, and it does have its rules, and it does have its enforcement division, and they can say, look, as long as you're a part of this organization, yeah, you can um, figure out a way once they're on campus to uh, get them their NIL whatever their bounty is going to be but prior to in the recruiting process you can't do it now would that stand up against any sort of um, court action i don't know does that count as interfering with them getting their money i don't know i mean in the case of nick harper he himself today announced an nil deal with champs i guess champs sporting goods is that what it was champs sports he announced that himself on instagram instagram now he's still in high school but in the state of or in the district of Washington, D.C., he's free to do that. There's no laws saying a high school kid can't go and make money off of the NIL. So he's announced that today. Did he put that together himself? Uh, I understand that they do have uh, somebody involved there in their circle who is like an agent who they've been using to um, get advice from. And maybe he's the go-between. Maybe Now, what's the deal here? Is this like when you're trying to hire a head coach but you never talk to the candidates directly, you talk to their representatives and you talk to their agents and in that way, if you don't get the guy that you want, even though you talk to the agent and he relayed the information but you never talk to him, you've got plausible deniability. Hey, we never talked to him. How many times have you heard AD say that? We hired the only coach we talked to directly and they do that all the time now maybe that's coming to play here if you're not talking to the kid and you're not talking directly to the family but you're talking to some kind of a representative and saying okay if he comes here we can get him this and we can get him that you just relay that to the family you know is that a uh, is that an out in that particular case I don't know. We'll see what happens in this situation. 229 to go in the half. Mississippi State leading the Gamecocks. It's a thriller. 25-22. And the Gamecocks are shooting 36%. Mississippi State 42%. And Mississippi State's 0 for 6. Beyond the arc, the Gamecocks are 3 of 10. They've missed their last four, two of their last 10. A 221 scoring drought. The Gamecocks are now 3 of 5 with the line. Mississippi State's 3 of 3. Turnover-wise, the Gamecocks have 6 in the half, and they've committed 6 fouls. Mississippi State's got 5 turnovers in the half. G.G. G. Jackson has 4 of the Gamecocks turnovers in 8 minutes. He's got 4 turnovers. He's got 3 points. He's 1 of 4 from the floor. Michi Johnson leads the Gamecocks with 7. He's got a turnover, but he's got 2 fouls already. He's got 2 fouls. He's got to be careful. He leaves the Gamecocks. Hayden Brown's got five points and Jacoby Wright's got five points and leading all scores is Shaquille Moore of Mississippi State he's hit four or five shots he's got nine points total so far
2: and Phil uh looks like Josh Gray has two fouls now as well but Lamont Paris is making some interesting uh, defensive changes here remember he he has spoken to us in detail about his preferences to play man all the time but we're seeing specifically Hayden Brown, just the poor guy's overmatched every game. I mean, most notably when he was having to guard Castleton with Florida. He's he's struggling to stay in games and not foul out. And I've been wondering for weeks at what point we may see more of a zone being run on the defensive end. They tried running a 1-3-1 one, one uh, a bit against Florida, but it didn't look very fluid out there. I don't know if that's because they don't use it that often or what, but Florida kind of picked it apart. Well, right now they're running it pretty daggone well against Mississippi State, and it's in particularly frustrating— uh, their star player, Tolu Smith, who averages 15 points a game, he hasn't really done a whole lot. He, ha- he does have four points, but he's having to use an awful lot of energy to find gaps in that zone, and uh, and he's, he's struggling. So they, they, the defensive strategy does seem to at least be working so far.
1: All right, 27-25, 141 to go in the opening half. Let me uh, pass along a few other notes. We'll get to recruiting coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Did not get to the uh, net rankings last night going into this week. Clemson, highest in the state in net ranking with 58, College of Charleston, 61, Furman, 98, Wofford, 213, Coastal Carolina, 259, Winthrop, 262, Charleston Southern, 269, South Carolina, 272. I don't recall ever seeing the Gamecocks that low in the net and behind, sorry, Barkley, rate a ball, but behind Charleston Southern, And some of these others, Uh, never thought I would see that, but that's where it is. Upstate is at 289, Citadel's at 306, Presbyterian's at 347, and State, South Carolina State's at 349. Charleston Southern announced its football schedule the other day. They'll open up on August 31st, which is a Thursday at home, against North Greenville. So that's at least, boy, what a weekend of football we're going to have, Labor Day weekend, because that's at least two games in the state on Thursday. I think Furman has a Thursday night game, and now Choso has a Thursday night game. Then their traditional second-week game at Clemson as they head to the Valley. Then they host William & Mary. Then they go to Western Carolina. Then they host Kennesaw State, followed by an off-week, followed by Lindenwood. Then a visit to UT Martin, home to Bryant, home to Tennessee State. At Robert Morris and at Gardner Webb, the slate for their new coaching staff. I think I've covered that's everything I got that uh, I know about at this particular time. Uh, oh, how about the uh, nationally? How about to Sean Payton to the Broncos? Great hire in every way. It's
2: a great hire. But it is curious, they're going down a similar path as the Rams. Remember the Rams for four or five years in a row there were trading away their first round picks and all future assets, essentially pushing all their chips in the middle. They were going all in trying to win a Super Bowl. And they did. They did win a Super Bowl, but now look where they were this year, and now, I'm not sure how they're going to get better other than free agency. They have no high draft picks the next three, four, five years. Well, now the Broncos, they already traded away multiple first and second round picks for Russell Wilson. Now they just traded away another first-round pick that they'd gotten this year in a trade with, I believe, the 49ers, maybe? They traded away uh, Bradley Chubb, former NC State player, away somewhere, got a first-round pick back. Now that's gone. They have a lot of talent on offense. They have a lot of talent on defense. But it's a bit head-scratching for what you're going to do a couple of years from now.
1: And you see where the uh, Texans hired D'Amico Ryans, the coordinator from defensive coordinator from the 49ers. And his defense was outstanding. But uh, they need offense, don't they? At Texas, the Texans, the Houston Texans, they were awful on offense. Of course, I guess they can use help everywhere. But he certainly built a great defense there with the uh, 49ers. We'll see who he brings in to run his offense and see if they can get the offense going. Um, got a no-name quarterback. Who was the quarterback there? They've gone so far down the list. Who was the quarterback
2: with the Texans? Can you name him off the top of your head? without looking him up yeah i'm just trying to remember his first name last name is mills i think it's Davis jay mills <laughs> no i i don't remember his first name but it's uh something something mills yeah i just remember he has a really really long neck people call him a giraffe But anyways <laughs> um, while we're on the subject of the texans and i hope this comes across correctly apologies if it doesn't because i mean this sincerely uh-huh. i really hope the texans are not just messing around for the third year in a row the the disrespect they've shown to African-American coaches the last few years, hiring David Cully for a year just to come in and tank and then get blamed and get fired. Then bringing in Lovey Smith, who came in and they brought him in for a year, essentially just to tank again. And then he, God forbid, went out there and actually won the last game of the year. His Uh players warned to send him out on a winning note, and he got fired for it. Uh And so I hope now going for a third consecutive minority hire, which respect to them, I hope that they're doing this correctly, and not just trying to use the system because they do receive some form of uh, compensation as a quote-unquote reward for minority hires. I genuinely hope the Texans are not taking advantage of that rule and they don't hire and then fire a third straight minority coach. I really hope D'Amico Ryans is there. He gets to live out his whole six-year contract or at least as long as he wants to be there. He's a tremendous coach. Players seem to love him. Just really hope that they have good intentions.
1: All right, uh, South Carolina, Mississippi State. They've gone to the break, 32-26. When we come back from our break, Chris Deering will join us to talk about the first half. Gamecocks uh, did not shoot well, 35%, especially in the latter stages of the half. They're down six at the break. Update some other scores for you. Virginia Tech in Miami, 16-16. Virginia Tech, Miami, obviously, in the first half. And we've also got uh, Duke on top of Wake. 10-5 Arkansas 10-7 over A&M and Clemson oh yeah Clemson out to an 8-2 lead on Boston College back in a moment.
0: Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store.
6: Life. It has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com.
1: are Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Blue Pat Daniel from our Dave & Buster Studios right here in Columbia. Yeah, the Clemson game 15-8 at the under 12. Clemson's up 15-8. Tigers are shooting 60%. They've hit three of six from three, have not attempted a free throw yet. Being led by Tyson with six and Hall with five. Well, how many Player of the Year votes will Tyson get if Clemson wins the ACC regular season championship? I would think quite a bunch. He's two for three from three point range. Hemingway is back for Clemson tonight. I don't think he played at uh, Florida State, did he? I don't think so. He is back tonight. Chase Hunter is uh, Chase Hunter's only played uh, two minutes, had a foul and two turnovers in those first twelve minutes. So he's been riding the pines here a little bit. He did start. Uh, In fact, he started with his brother. His brother started as well. Clemson started Shefflin, Tyson, Hall, Hunter, and Hunter tonight in their lineup.
2: It's the same five from the other night, I I do believe.
1: Did both of them start against uh, Florida State? But I think this is the return of um, Hemingway tonight, I believe, is his return. Right? He didn't play.
2: I don't recall. I'm, I'm going to confirm that, but no that that's that's huge for the for the Tigers to have him back now. Yeah,
1: getting back healthy. All they got to do is get uh, Galloway back, and they'll be they'll be whole once again. So Tigers are up fifteen to eight. Meantime, over at the uh, Colonial Life Arena, they're at the break thirty two twenty six. We welcome in our good friend Chris Deering, who is covering the Gamecocks for us tonight. You can catch his story and the post game on our website, sportstalksc.com. Hello, sir. How are you?
7: Uh, fantastic, Phil. How you doing?
1: We're doing great. We're doing great. So give us the uh, overview, your take of this first half.
7: Well, both teams come in 1-7 uh, in SEC play, and you might be seeing why uh, hmm. watching the first half of this game. Um, Mississippi State trailed early and got hot late in the first half, um, shooting right at 46% now for the half, and they took a lead 36 32-26, like you said, Moore um, um, for them has got 12 points. And, it's not, and the Gamecocks have not shot the ball very well, Phil. So they're at 34.6%. Uh, they're getting the out-rebound of 18-13. And seven turnovers with Gigi Jackson having four of those.
1: What is going on with the Gamecock offense, with this Mississippi State defense, anything? Is it more the Gamecocks just missing shots, or is Mississippi State getting something done defensively out there?
7: I think it's the Gamecocks just missing shots. Uh, They've had some opportunities, uh, some good looks at the basket, just not many able to knock them down. Um, They do have four three-pointers. Michi Johnson's got two of those. He's leading the way with ten points. Uh, Josh Blaine's giving him some good minutes inside. He's got five rebounds, but he does have two fouls. So nothing really Mississippi State's doing. The Gamecocks are just not making shots when given opportunities.
1: Now, seven turnovers for the Gamecocks. You mentioned that Jackson's got four. That's 11 turnovers for him. He had seven in Athens. And is it just sloppy ball handling on his part, just not protecting the basketball or – Mississippi State making good plays on him.
7: Just toppy basketball. Man. He's only played ten minutes as well. Uh do he don't, he has no foul, four points, but those four turnovers. Um three of them came really early. So he 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 hadn't like he hadn't protected the ball as, as well as uh Coach Lamar Ferris would like, I'm sure. So they, they set him down for a while and you know We've seen him come out in the second half in situations before and have big second half. So maybe that's what uh, they're setting the stage for him in the second
1: half. Okay. Gamecocks are playing. I saw your tweet. They're playing without Daniel Hankins Sanford tonight. And is, what is there a reason for that? Is it kind of a, is it an injury thing? An illness thing?
7: He had a family issue. He, he's not on. He's not on the bench either. Tonight,
1: so. so he is not with the team tonight. Correct. Okay. Alright, hey, thank you Chris and I'll see you over there in a little bit and folks can read your post-game story on our website, sportstalksc.com and we'll have uh, Lamont Paris's comments up there as well. Thank you sir, see you in a bit. Alright, thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you. Alright, Chris Deering who helps us out covering the Gamecocks when they have these early starts. God, I hate these 6.30 tip times because I miss the game. I like to get over there for the game and by the time I get there There'll be about five minutes left. I'll have time to listen to the post game, which is which is cool. Enjoy listening to the post game. So um, I don't want to start recruiting just yet because we got a break coming up. I don't want to be interfered with, so we'll hold that till after the bottom of the hour. Also, uh, we'll hear from Frank Reich, who uh, had his first press conference today as the new head coach of the your Carolina Panthers. And, you know, I don't know if many people knew this. Maybe a lot of people did. Maybe I'm the last one to know this or realize it. But the uh, person at USC, Derek Moore, who was their director of uh, something, 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 you know, he's one of those um, emotional leaders and uh, uh, spiritual leaders and, you know, kind of a guidance inside the program. By all accounts, has done a fabulous job, hired by Shane Beamer from Georgia Tech. For some reason, I started reading some information on him. I hadn't read it before and did not realize. Of course, he played in the NFL for the Lions, and then he came to the Panthers in their first season. He was the Panthers' starting running back, and Frank Reich was the starting quarterback in the Panthers' first year. And the first thing I thought about was, that's kind of funny because – His home stadium that first year was Death Valley (laughs) because the Panthers played their games at Clemson. Then I started thinking, Frank Reich, Derek Moore. Frank Reich's now the head coach with the Panthers. He and Derek Moore are good friends. I'm not saying anything. I don't know anything. I'm just thinking out loud here. You know, after signing day tomorrow, all across the country, that's another time when coaches make moves. Most of them are made after the early signing period now. But there'll be movement of coaches after signing day tomorrow across the country. Not suggesting anything. But I'm just saying, is it beyond the realm of uh, possibility that Frank Reich has reached out to or will reach out to Derek Moore and say, hey, do you want to come to the NFL? Do you want to come to Charlotte? Do you want to do for us what you're doing for them, et cetera, et cetera? And we'll pay you double, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm just thinking out loud, you know. Might have nothing to do with it. And the only reason I bring it up is because of their Panthers connection. And because I saw a – I think I saw a tweet on Derek Moore's Twitter when Frank Reich was hired saying, like, that's my quarterback, something like that, going to the Panthers. And it just got me thinking. But, uh, oh, Hemingway did not play against Florida State. Good. So we were right about that. Uh, so anyway, I was thinking out loud about that, and you know, we'll see if anything if anything comes of that. I'm not expecting anything to come of it, not expecting anything like that to happen. But it did have uh, it did pop into my mind when I when I ran across that. So we update the other college basketball that's happening besides the South Carolina game. Take another look here at Clemson and Boston College, 21-16 Tigers, 6:38 to go in the opening half. They have cooled off one of their last seven. So they're down to 44%. Uh, Tyson is leading the way for the Tigers. He's got eight. P.J. Hall's got five points and three rebounds. And um, Tigers are three of nine from three-point range thus far, up 21-16 on Boston College. So once again, just like they did at Florida State, they got off to a really good start at Florida State, uh, let that lead slip away, and found themselves in a real dogfight uh, in the second half, and they've gotten off to a, a decent start here at the Conte Forum up at Boston College. That's a unique situation they have at Boston College. You know, Boston College is a small private school that is built in a neighborhood, and they have their stadium, their football stadium, which is, I think it seats about 38,000 or so, and then connected to that is the Conte Forum, which is their basketball facility. It's also their hockey facility and their weight training facility. And they might have their locker rooms and stuff in there. It's right there next to the football stadium, all kind of just tucked in there behind the school in this neighborhood. It's such a a neighbor a neighborly neighborhood. Like for football games, they have limitations on when you can start tailgating and how long you can tailgate after a game. I think the rule is... You have to be packed up, cleaned up, and gone by 90 minutes after the end of a game. So there's no hanging out all day at Alumni Stadium to celebrate your Eagles. Okay, when we come back, we'll give you the recruiting report tonight and also some comments from Frank Reich from his press conference today as he took questions from the media in Charlotte. We'll be back after the break. update on the basketball Mississippi State on a surge up 3826 the uh nah we well, can't be a media timeout at 1755 why are they listing this as a media timeout first media timeouts not till 16 and under um, and the Gamecocks haven't scored in the first two minutes because they had 26 at the break. Outscored six nothing 38 26. And it says media timeout. Can't be a media timeout.
2: Phil, I'm sorry to Gamecock fans out there. I inadvertently jinxed y'all. I was was giving credit to Lamont Paris and that 1-3-1 defense. Mm. Ever since I mentioned that, Mississippi State's on a 17-4 run. Sorry about that.
1: And Boston College has surged ahead of Clemson now 24-23. 224 to go in the half, and Clemson has called a timeout. So here comes BC up 24-23 on Clemson now. Gamecock's down 38 26 to Mississippi state. Well, let's give you some happier news perhaps as we go to recruiting here on sports talk brought to you by our good friends at SeaWells. Wells. And of course the daily luncheon buffet is there for you at SeaWells. Wells. Make sure you get out and enjoy that the rest of the week, every day, Monday through Friday, unless they have something special going on and they have to shut it down Monday through Friday, 11, to two at their location on Rosewood Drive. Plenty of space. More importantly, plenty of food and good food it is. Check it out at Seawells. And for the very best in the catering business, just make that one phone call to Seawells and let them do it all at 803-771-7385 online at seawellscateringsc.com Have you heard of this guy Nick Harper before? So I like my lead line here in my story. South Carolina is mixed up in a good old-fashioned recruiting mystery as the February 1st National Signing Day approaches, the type of recruiting case that has made the inexact science of recruiting so popular across the country. It's not a who done it, but a who won it. Huh? Get it? Who won it? Who won the recruiting battle? Uh, 1 o'clock tomorrow, Nick Harbour tied in Washington, D.C., will announce his decision bringing to close an intense recruiting saga for Gamecock fans, one of the most intense since the Davion Clowney years. And I guess Marcus Lattimore was the same. Marcus Lattimore took it to his press conference, had his press conference in a church, and uh, did it after 6 o'clock so it could be carried live on television and on our show. I was there. Never forget. He's standing there, and all of a sudden, Stephen Davis comes walking out. And I thought to myself, he's going to Auburn. Why else would Stephen Davis be there? I didn't know that he was a close mentor to Lattimore at the time. And at first, he pulled out an Auburn hat. And then he put on that Gamecock hat, and the place went crazy. Anyway, the family of Harvard met last night discussing their options. USC, Oregon, Maryland, Michigan, and Miami. They had hoped to make a decision last night. According to his dad talking to us this afternoon, he said, quote, he's not there. He's almost there, but not there. He's just like, I just need to sleep on this, and I'll get with you guys today when I get back from school. I said, okay, you're under no pressure. Just let us know what's up. It was just getting too much for him, too much. This is according to Azuka Harbour. Now, Mr. Harper tells us one of the major factors remaining in his son's mind is where can he go and be in the best place for his mother? Quote, at the end of the day, all the schools checked out. Now, you going to be able to leave your mama alone? That's his problem now. What do I do with my mother, not his father? The two of them are very close to each other. Like last night, She had to calm him down. Take your time and go to sleep. There's no need for you going through this all night. Mr. Harbour continued, it's going to boil down to where he's going to fit comfortable at, where his mother is going to get there and stuff like that. I think that's what it's going to boil down to, Mr. Harbour said. He also said they heard from coaches from all the staffs Monday night, including USC defensive ends coach Sterling Lucas, quote, he was checking in and seeing if there is any blank space that he did not fill out. We talked to him a little bit, and he came back to us with what we asked him to explain. He explained that to us, and we're okay, end quote. So they're going to reconvene tonight and not only decide on the school, but also decide how they will present the decision on ESPN. Mr. Harbour said, quote, I'm shaking. He said with a laugh. I think that's something we have to decide tonight we're going to do. There wasn't anything planned last night. I'm just like, you guys just go in and say where you're going to play. Just make it proper. It's like you're telling your friend, no, I'm not going to do this with you. That's the way it is. We've cultivated some relationships with all these coaches and had a good time with them. To tell them I'm not going to come to you, that's one of the most difficult things for me in this process, end quote. And he said he's not sure if his son will inform the winning school prior to making his announcement. Pat, I know you're uneducated on this, but what's your
2: best bet? If you had to uh, lay a bet down, what would you say? Bill, don't get upset. I was building the commercial break and do not who you're know who you're referencing. Well, <laughs> Harbor. I think he's coming to South Carolina. Okay. I really do. Look. He's not going to hear this. He doesn't care what I say, but mama's going to love you no matter what. I hope he goes and chases greatness wherever he thinks that's best. And if he thinks that he has a better chance, whether it's in South Carolina, Oregon, or somewhere further than home, than Maryland, because it doesn't particularly sound like he wants to go there other than to be close to to his mom, go chase greatness, young man.
1: Words of wisdom. That's right. Uh, Blake Franks, Greenville High offensive guard. Visits are over for him. Now he's facing his toughest decision of his young life. Clemson and USC, who will it be? Months ago, common thought was Franks was a Tiger lock. Not anymore. The Gamecocks have given him plenty to think about in comparison to the Tigers. Clemson had a chance to put their stamp on this recruiting battle Saturday when Franks made another visit for the Tigers' junior day. They had the chance to end this thing, as they have done with so many top recruits over the years, but they didn't. And Frank said, quote, I thought this would help me figure out if I wanted to go to South Carolina or if I definitely wanted to go to Clemson. To be honest, this visit answered a lot of my questions, but I think I'm still stuck right now. And right now, I'm just trying to figure out which school I definitely see myself at compared to the other school. I've gotten answers from each place, Clemson or South Carolina. I really don't know which one is right for me right now, but I definitely want to keep talking to the coaches to see if I can actually make a good decision." End of his quote. On his visit to Clemson this past Saturday, he had conversations with Dabo Sweeney and Thomas Austin. Of course, he's talked to them many times before. But what he really took away from it, he said, was the PAW journey. And he said student-wise, he feels like he could really be developed at Clemson. He thought their presentation was amazing. And he also got to hear from players and find out what, why they made their decision to go to Clemson. And he said that helped him to see a little more from the Clemson side. He just said, it's a hard decision. I haven't made the decision yet on where I'm going to go, to be honest. Then he went to Auburn on Sunday, but that was just more of a courtesy visit. The offensive line coach at Auburn came from Ole Miss, and he had offered him at Ole Miss. He did talk to USC's Derek Moore once he got back from Auburn. Moore is the Gamecocks Executive Director of Character and Player Development. And uh, he said he's also heard from USC committed prospects and Clemson committed prospects. And he said one thing that's important to him is to uh, talk to people who are committed to South Carolina and talk to people who are committed to Clemson and hear from them and see if those are players that he feels like he has the same vibe with if he feels comfortable being around them pretty much 24-7. He says he's still hoping to get it done later this month, February, but if it drags on longer, it'll drag on longer, he said. He had considered February 7th, his mother's birthday, for a commitment announcement, may not be able to get it done by then, but hopefully for him, he's hoping to get it uh, done by the latter part of February at the latest. All right, so uh, tomorrow you got you got the Harbor kid and uh, you got Zay Hardy signing tomorrow at a Macon, Georgia, as we talked about last night. His coach told us, did not look like it would be South Carolina, most likely junior college for him, unless there's some other opportunity for him to go to and sign with. And let's see what else we've got for you here that may you may or may not have heard. USC offered 2025 quarterback A.J. Brand of Irmo and twenty-six defensive back Samari Matthews of, Cornel- of Cornelius, North Carolina. And let's see, what else? Um, Clemson offered linebacker Drew as of Tampa, defensive end Darian Mayo of Owney, Maryland. Now, this was kind of interesting. A report by the Southern Cal On3 website uh, stated that uh, Clemson cornerback commitment to Voy Fagan plans to take visits to other schools, including – southern Cal. in fact I think they quoted him as saying that of course this goes against the uh, Dabo Sweeney uh, rules if you are a Clemson commitment you can't visit anywhere else and so we'll see if that plays out into anything at this particular time this is the second time there have been reports about Fagan doing something with somebody else the other time was Florida State about going down and taking a visit there and that was uh, shut down before it happened so If this is happening, it'll probably get shut down before it happens, I would say. West Florence running back Darren Lloyd committed to Coastal Carolina. Aiken receiver Braylon Staley was offered by Georgia. And Blythewood tight end Anthony Thurman committed to the Citadel, as did River Bluff defensive back Cooper Johns and Shelby North Carolina defensive end Devonier Pettis. Barnwell running back Tyler Smith committed to South Carolina State. West Florence safety. Kelvin Hunter was offered by Liberty. Wofford added transfer defensive backs Jihad Scales from Old Dominion and Maximus Pulley from Western Kentucky, linebacker Rafael Szymanski from Houston and offensive lineman Cameron Jackson from Louisiana. And Furman added grad transfer defensive lineman Sirrod Cook from Winget. Uh, baseball, 2026 Shortstop State's Farr of Spartanburg committed to USC. Uh, Back to football, Seneca offensive and defensive lineman Cam Johnson committed to Charleston Southern. Clemson target linebacker Sammy Brown was offered by Florida State. And in basketball, USC target Oku Federico from Finland offered by Syracuse and Pitt. His brother plays at Pitt. And his teammate, Morris Ukasuk, was offered by Pitt. I mean, I don't know. Ugusic? Maybe that sounds better. Ugusic. Was offered by Pitt. And he has taken, by the way, official visits to Duquesne and Oklahoma State, as has Morris. Morris U. That's how we'll refer to him. Morris U. That'll do it. You got something, Pat?
2: Just to back up for a quick second, you had me curious about Clemson commit to Voy Fagan. And I was searching on his Twitter timeline to take this with a bit of a grain of salt, but uh, an, an On3 article came out about Clemson commit to Boy Fagan looking at taking U- a Southern Cow official visit, and he actually commented underneath it in all caps, all in, and then the tiger emoji. Take, take that for whatever it's worth. Okay. But go back and look at the story. If
1: you go look at the story, I believe he's quoted in that story, the Southern Cow story that the guy wrote, I think. You know, I'll go back and look at that in a second. Yeah, it's
2: got a paywall.
1: I'm unable to see it. Well, I can see it. So, we'll hit the break here on Sports Talk. Come back and give you some Frank Reich. Mississippi State expanding its lead, 48-34 on the Gamecocks. They've hit five of their last seven, and they're shooting 55% in the second half. The Gamecocks are three of ten from the floor in the second half, but two of those are three-pointers or two of two there. Michi Johnson warming up. He's got 13 points, including three threes for the Gamecocks. And Clemson trailing BC 30 23.
4: Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish, South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the Low Country, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org.
1: Yeah, I've looked up this story. It's on the website. We are SC. It should be we are SC number two because you're number two because South Carolina would be the number one SC in origination, chronologically speaking. But this guy, Scott Schrader, wrote the story. He quotes the kid in here as saying, quote, I'm looking at taking an official visit there, end quote, said Fagan when asked if he'd visit Southern Cal this offseason. So I don't know when he was interviewed. The story was written yesterday. So whatever, he's not going to visit Southern Cal. He's probably not going to visit anybody else. And I'm sure that Dabo Sweeney and his people will get it uh, shut down so it won't uh, it won't develop into anything more. Okay, uh, quick update: 48:38, four turnovers by Mississippi State Gamecocks are back within ten. Clemson down at the half, 30 to 23. The Tigers shoot 38 percent to 45 percent. After their good start, they have um, they have gone kind of cold. Tyson leads the Tigers with eight. Zachary has thirteen for Boston College, and yeah, Clemson had a, a ten, had an eleven point lead. They went from eleven up to seven down in the last ten minutes of the half. So by my count, that's an eighteen point turnaround. Tigers went without. Uh, let's see. They were up 19 to 8, and it went from that. So they were outscored 22 to 4 over the last 10 minutes of the first half. So that's why they are down 30 to 23. Here is Frank Reich, brand new football coach with your Carolina Panthers. He was in Charlotte today at Bank of America Stadium, where he met with the media there in Charlotte, and he took questions from the media. And so we'll bring you a few minutes of that get some idea of what he's thinking about, what he plans to do with this Panthers offense, uh, what he plans to do with this Panthers team overall. I always liked Frank Reich. I liked him as a player, liked him as a coach there with the Colts, and uh, he was a good coach when he had a guy named Andrew Luck, right? When he had Andrew Luck, he was a good coach. Funny how that changes when you don't have good players. All right, here he is.
3: I wonder if, you know, you could talk about the roster that you, you're inheriting here and, and as you're going through the uh, interview process, what were your thoughts on the roster? Where do you feel like it needs to get better? What, what do you see as, as some of the strong suits?
6: I think the defense has been obviously a real strong suit, been top-level top defense, but we're always looking to get better. To be honest, here's what a top, here's what a top five defense gives you an opportunity to do. Top 10 defense is going to give you a chance in every game, but a top five defense is what really can elevate you um, as a team, that you can not only be in every game, but you can find a way to win every game when you've got a top five defense. So we understand we're in a league that is uh, you know, offensively driven in many ways, but kind of the secret sauce is create and build upon the momentum that we have here, the players, the roster that we have here on defense, get the right coaches so we have the right scheme that accentuate their gifts. I'm not going to go through player by player. Scott and I have sat down, started to talk about that. There's still a whole lot more study that needs to go, but obviously that stands out. And then, offensive, and then offensively, was really encouraged as I watched kind of the second half of the season and dig into the tape a little bit. There's so much to build on. The offensive line, the running game. Um, you know, we got receivers that can get vertical down the field. The run, you know, the running backs were strong. Foreman had looked strong at the end of the year. That's going to be really important for us to get the ball vertically down the field. Continue to build this roster so that we improve in all three phases which of course also brings you to special teams which were top ranked special teams uh you know this past year and we we look forward that's that's an essential part of a championship caliber football team
3: hey frank it's joe person with the athletic good to see you Um, two questions will you call the offensive plays and then secondly did your experience in indianapolis will that make you more likely or more convicted to do the draft and develop route at quarterback?
6: As far as calling plays um, I'm going to wait to see that we get the offensive staff together. Obviously, I've always enjoyed doing that, felt like I've had a good bit of success doing that um, and enjoy doing that. Um, it feels to me there's a little bit of a trend going away from that. I, I want to re- continue to re-examine that, and it just depends on how the staff comes together and the coordinator thing. I'm excited about the prospects of some of the guys. Um, that are out there, um, that could be our offensive coordinator. So I'll wait to make the final decision on that. And Part B of that question was? uh, You've got to have stability at quarterback. You you want to have stability at quarterback. So um, the good thing that I've learned in my past experience here, uh, in the past experience in a few years, is we've learned how to adapt to different styles of quarterbacks, but that's not the ideal situation. Right, So we, Mr. Tepper, Scott, myself, have to commit to what's our blueprint, where, how are we going to maintain stability at quarterback, make a plan, and then execute that plan.
3: Frank, uh, over to your left, Scott Fowler. Yes, how sir. are you? Hey, Scott. Glad to see you again. Welcome back. Yes, sir. I wonder two things. One, if you could give us a couple of the specific 1995 memories you have from here. And then secondly, if you wouldn't mind, evaluating a little more specifically the quarterbacks currently on this roster.
6: Yeah, the memories from that first season, of course, we didn't play here. We played in Clemson. So one of the memories is the bus rides. Um, you know, it's the camaraderie of the players, right? Your teammates, you know, we're on these long, you know, we've got home games that we're bussing to that are, you know, several hours away. And then traffic coming out of Clemson is, you know, always a little bit slow, even with an escort. Um, but those are great memories. Those are great memories. Uh, I won't go into the details, but some of the memories of our practice facility that year in the showers, um, it was a unique showering situation. I'll just put it that way. Um, that was a unique memory. And, you know, the touchdown pass to my friend Pete metzlers of course, first touchdown in, in Panthers history. You know, I don't have, to, you know, as a career backup quarterback, I don't have too many highlights, but, uh, you know, to have the first touchdown pass in the team's history is pretty special. Um, you know, and then that first game in Atlanta. You know, we're playing our very first game in team history in Atlanta with, you know, thinking, you know, are you even going to have a chance, and we take the game to overtime, and we ended up losing in overtime, but I'll never forget that first game.
1: All right, Frank Reich. That's right, played that first season at Clemson through the first touchdown pass for the Panthers, and now he is back to try to. Rebuild this team and see if can make them into a Super Bowl contender. Got a lot of work to do. Got to figure out the quarterback situation and a whole bunch else there in Charlotte. Okay, final update. Mississippi State up on the Gamecocks at the under 8, 50-42. Gamecocks coming back a little bit, trying to uh, catch up. Boston College leading Clemson 30-23 at the half. Duke over Wake Forest at the half, 41-34. Miami leads Virginia Tech at the half, 45-44. You've got uh, Arkansas at the half, leading A&M, 42-34. Okay, catch our post-game coverage of the Gamecocks and Tigers games at sportstalksc.com later tonight. Thank you, Pat, thank you, everybody, for being with us. Signing day tomorrow. We'll see what it brings. Have a good one.